0: It's the late 1960s. America's all tangled up in crazy social and political stuff like civil rights fights, people going nuts over the Vietnam War, and a whole bunch of folks just saying screw it to the usual way of doing things. And amongst all that, a revolutionary cinematic masterpiece emerged that captured global audiences. It's like this flick grabbed everyone's brains and reshapes how we see horror movies and pop culture. This is the story of *Night of the Living Dead* and zombies.
1: It burns! Oh, it burns! They're coming to get you, Barbara.
0: Welcome to the real demons of pop culture. My name is James Ippoliti. I am your guide through pop culture's underworld. And returning this week is Lucille. Welcome, Lucille.
1: Glad to be back.
0: If you don't know Lucille, you can find her on my Instagram reels at James underscore Ippoliti. Check out the show notes.
1: And while you are there, check out the many ways you can support the show.
0: That's right. The show is listener supported. You can leave a tip. You can buy evil mugs or merch. You can pick up the Ghost Hunters logbook. So if you are a ghost hunter or a demon hunter, there are logbooks. And all this is in the show notes. It really does help support the show.
1: We really appreciate any support you can provide.
0: We really do, Lucille. Now it's time for the magic number.
1: I'm feeling lucky today.
0: So here's how it works. I will count down three, two, one. Then I will think of a number between 1 and 50. You will write that number down, and at the end of the episode, I will reveal the number. Now, if you get it right, you will have an extra special magical day. If you get it wrong, you just have a normal fun day, but it won't be extra special magical. Boo! Hiss! I don't make the rules, the goblins do. Ready? Ready. Three, two, one. Okay, write that number down. I'll reveal it at the end of the episode. Got it. Good luck, Lucille.
1: Thanks. So zombies, huh? Brains. Brains. Brains.
0: Now, the desire for brains didn't really happen until the 80s. We'll get into that in just a bit. Today's pop culture example is Night of the Living Dead.
1: Yeah, why that movie? It is kind of tame by today's standards.
0: That's because you're watching it with modern eyes. But in 1968, it was a very different film
1: different how
0: for starters the lead actor was an african-american male
1: big deal lots of movies have african-american male leads in
0: 1968 having an african-american lead it just wasn't done and then on top of that even if you had an african-american actor in a film they usually played the stereotypical african-american roles this was different The role of Ben was played by the actor Dwayne Jones. On the script, the film did not have anything about the color of the character. It was supposed to be a truck driver wearing overalls and kind of having like maybe a Hick slang or something like that. But when Dwayne read the script, he's like, you know what? I'd rather not do that. I'd rather play the role as an intelligent person and wearing the clothes of a more successful person, like a shirt, tie, Pants, not overalls. So you must watch this film in the 1960s context.
1: So what was going on in the 60s?
0: As I said in the opening, the civil rights movement was going on. And on top of that, we had the Vietnam War happening. There were riots, police brutality, distrust of the government.
1: The more things change, the more they stay the same. Am I right?
0: Exactly. And anybody who lived through 2020 and the issues with, like, George Floyd and the riots and just all that unrest. Think of that and how that made you feel, and that kind of gives you this idea of what the 60s were like. I mean, it really was a time of all kinds of civil unrest. George O'Mara claims that there was nothing really going on when he was writing this to say, oh, I'm going to cast a black actor. It's just that Dwayne Jones was the best actor. He had the best audition. And because of that, he got the role.
1: Come on, do you believe that?
0: I do believe it initially. I believe that the guys putting together this film, Image 10, were sort of more on the side of being hippy-dippy. And I think they just saw... I mean, they, they had no idea this movie would be what it is, and we'd still be talking about it in 2023. So I do think initially that color race was not on his mind when he just put this together. I think, though, Dwayne Jones clearly knew what was happening when you have the character Dwayne is playing, Ben, hitting a white woman, knocking out the white man who basically represents the man. And he knows if this goes up on the screen, it's not going to be very good for the actor Dwayne Jones. So he was nervous about it. But they went through it anyway. And I also don't believe there is any way Romero would have not seen the racial tone that this film had when he was editing. He had to have seen it when he was editing the film. There's just no way around it.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: This isn't as if the movie was made and then years later there's civil unrest and people then go back and look at it this film and see things in it. This stuff was happening as the film is being shot, edited and produced. It is happening in the world. So I don't buy that they didn't think about this eventually. And we know for sure that when the film was finished, George Merrill was on his way to New York to deliver the print of the film to the distributor so they can show the film. And while they were driving on the radio, was announced that Martin Luther King Jr. was shot. And at that moment, he knew for sure what they had in that can. It wasn't just the social commentary that made this film stick out. There was a mistake that helped them. And financially, it wasn't good. But it made a difference when it came to releasing the film. So the working, actually, the, the very first title they had while they were very starting out the film, when they were starting out the film, the very first title they had was Monster Flick. That's all they kind of knew. Then it became Night of Anubis. And then it became Night of the Flesh Eaters. But they realized there was another movie called Flesh Eaters. So they decided they didn't want to get into any kind of legal tangles. So they changed it to Night of the Living Dead. Going through all these changes, at one point, the print, they forgot to put the copyright on the print, on the title. And so that immediately went into the public domain. It was shown for years at midnight screenings. And that's sort of how we kind of get this cult following. And I'll get into that in a minute.
1: Why not Night of the Zombies?
0: Well, they didn't call it Night of the Zombies because... They never used the word zombies. They never called them zombies. Romero called these creatures ghouls. Ghouls. They were not zombies. And the reason why we're going to get into is because we're looking at 1968 and what were zombies at that time. I'm going to get into that. But that's why it wasn't called Night of the Zombies, because they were not thought of as zombies. They were thought of as ghouls. So the movie comes out, and then in the 70, early 70s, probably around 1970, they started showing this film at the Waverly Theater in New York City. I think it's now the IFC Center, but it was shown at midnight, and it was just forever just playing, and people started, word of mouth went around about this film, and everybody starting having these discussions. So it was sort of this highbrow meets lowbrow event. Because lowbrow, we got an independent horror film, people are being devoured by these ghouls. And just that was interesting to people. But then the highbrow part is where everybody started to go in and talk about it and say, wait a minute, this is a this is really talking about the Vietnam War, or this is really talking about the government, or this is really talking about race. Now, I'll spoil the ending cuz you have should have seen this movie but basically Dwayne Jones who plays Ben his character makes it through the film and then at the end there's this white posse that comes they see somebody in the window it's Ben he made it through the night and they're like there's one and they shoot him they kill him it is such a disturbing ending that that really got people talking and there is a lot of social commentary intentionally or not it's there and there's a great book about Night of the Living Dead by BFI Films they have a series of books check it out if you want to read everything you could possibly want to know about this movie and the social commentary and the the way the world was at that time and how people reviewed it and talked about it but that's what we got going on we have this film that it really has nothing before it that we can compare it to. But one, it's black and white. And Romero and his crew shot it in a way that felt like newsreels. you got to remember that living back in that time, news would have been in black and white. And all the footage we're getting from Vietnam every day, we would be seeing it in these black and white newsreels. And Romero intentionally shot it in a way that felt like a documentary or a newsreel. And so people are seeing this and it's sort of either consciously or subconsciously hitting them. Hey, this feels real.
1: Did you see it at one of those midnight screenings?
0: Come on, Lucille. How old do you think I am? I did not go to one of the midnight screenings. I wouldn't have been old enough. I wasn't alive when it originally came out. I was thinking about when I would have seen this. And it probably was. There's two ways I have saw the movie. One was I would have seen it on like a late, late show. So they used to have these movies after the news would go off the air, um, Some channels would have these late, late shows and they would show old films. And I know I saw King Kong that way for the very first time when I was young. And I probably saw Night of the Living Dead on television that way. And if not, then the next option would have been VHS. No more jokes about me being old with VHS. But I know I owned it on VHS.
1: Was it a colorized version?
0: I did not get a colorized version. The colorized version thing, that was a trend in the 80s. They started taking all these old films and colorizing them. And Night of the Living Dead was no different. Now, there was the first colorization. Uh, it was Hal Roach Studios in the 80s was the first to colorize this and put it out on VHS. And the first zombies were green in the first colorizing. And then Hal Roach Studios did another version. Uh, this time, the, the zombie skin was uh, more like the real humans. And so I picked Night of the Living Dead because I really think that everything that came after it, as far as zombies and pop culture, all starts here in 1968 with George Romero, Image 10. And that's how we get to the zombies of today.
1: So this is where zombies originate from?
0: So no, this is not. I didn't mean to suggest that this is the beginning of zombies. But the beginning of the way we see them today. Because let's go back to ancient times. Let's go back to the history of zombies. So I'm going to quickly gloss over ancient culture, like ancient Greece, because there is some archaeological evidence that people were buried, and they were buried with, like, rocks on their chest, anything heavy to keep these bodies from rising. So there was a belief that... Bodies could rise from the dead. And they did have things they did by putting weights or lots of rocks on the bodies to prevent that. Most of these stories are what we would label a catabasis. It's where regular people go to the underworld and they might talk with the dead. There's some thing they have to do with the dead or in Hades or in hell. They go down, they have some adventure, and then they come back up. It's not the way we would think today of things that rise from the dead. And then we have this bizarre mention in the Bible that when Jesus rose from the dead, all the saints rose out of their graves and walked around Jerusalem. So zombie apocalypse. When we're talking about zombies, the original traditional figures of zombies is basically from a Haitian Vodou ritual. Also known as voodoo. And we're going to talk about this because it is a real religion, voodoo or voodoo, whatever you want to call it. There are debates about this, and I'm not an expert on voodoo or voodoo, but I will say that a lot of people see the word voodoo as a vulgar voodoo, meaning it's been culturally appropriated and whitewashed to the point where everything is scary and evil and it's, you know, not what traditional Haitian voodoo or voodoo is. And I'll I'll put that out there because a lot of the stuff we think about with voodoo is all negative. Um, You know, witch doctors and curses. And this is where zombies come from. But let's back up. It all starts with slavery. In West Africa, there were religions. So they have words in West Africa that are very close to zombie. Zumbi, N-D-Z-U-M-B-I, which means corpse. And then there's the Congo word, zombie, which starts N-Z-A-M-B-I, and that's like the spirit of the dead. These words existed, and that's what we kind of think the etymology of the word zombie and where it came from. So you have these religions in West Africa, and they're different. They're not all the same. But what happens is the French, they come along... Basically, taking the people from Africa and bringing them to Haiti. It was a different, it was San Domingo or something like that, that back then. What we now consider Haiti is where all of these slaves went to, and they worked in the sugarcane. And, and they would pick sugarcane and have small jobs and do all these things. Um, and they were slaves. And it was very brutal. It was a very, very brutal and harsh existence. And all the people who were brought over, they were forced to practice Catholicism. So now we have a mixture of different West Africa religions and Catholicism merging together into this amalgamation that we end up calling voodoo or voodoo. And the difference when we think about zombies is that the zombie in Haiti was a victim. The zombie in modern days, of course, no, they are the monsters that are coming after us. But the zombie, so this is something in Haiti that you didn't want to be. There was nothing scarier than becoming a zombie. Now, if you, your desire when you died was to go to uh, Langini, it's like, African heaven, I don't know, is basically going back to the to Africa and in the afterlife, and you would live happily ever after in the place that you remember as your home. Now, being a slave was effing awful, and a lot of people thought about killing themselves. And many did, but the problem is, if you killed yourself, you would never go to that heaven. You would never go back to Africa. And so this scared people to the point where they knew if they killed themselves, they would forever just walk uh, and, in the, the land of the dead and, and not get to their afterlife heaven. So how did the Haitian zombies work? The way this worked was you had somebody who used poisons and ritual burials to convince the victims, that they were dead. So a lot of times they would... And honestly, not sure if this actually was a thing. And we'll get to a story later on that came out in the 80s that explains what I'm trying to talk about, if it was a thing. I hope that makes sense. It sounds confusing. But basically, make the people believe they're dead. Bury them. And then later on, come back and unbury them. They're now brainwashed whatever was used whether it's magic or actual poisons or or herbs i don't know whatever it was these people are now just gonna work for the master and that's it they're just brainless walking around they are victims though this is very clearly an analogy for slavery and that is what we believe the zombie story came from is this idea of being taken and put into a place where you have no control or freedom and you work yourself to death and you can't even be free in death you are still a slave and as i stated earlier voodoo and voodoo they are distinct separate religions so it is confusing. I would just say, unless you know, then don't try to pretend you know. Because it is a religion, and they are different religions, so don't go running around stating you know something because you listen to James on The Real Demons of Pop Culture. Do your homework when it comes to the actual religion. Now, the Spanish started shipping people over to the island of Hispanol as early as 1502, and that was the original name. And then in the 17th century, French colonies are established. They kind of take the Western third, and they call that Saint-Domingue. Saint-Domingue. I'm saying that really bad, but now it's Haiti. The Haitians did not fear the zombie as we fear them in modern day movies and books, TV shows, and video games. They didn't fear them. They feared being them. They didn't fear the zombie because the zombie was a victim. So, okay. Now the question is, how did it get off the island and into the pop culture mind? There was this guy, William Seabrook, who wrote a book called The Magic Island. He claims he went to the island, and there's only one chapter, really, when it comes to zombies. And in the chapter, he talks about seeing these men who were like the walking dead had these eyes that were dead and they would be doing the work on and picking sugarcane and doing all this stuff and he's basically describing the zombie and calling it a zombie and this gets out to America and the public and they're like whoa this is a cool it's like a travel guide but it's it's really a white dude's version of what's going on. He doesn't understand the religion or the people and starts to write stories about it and then we get that in America and now we're like okay um what can we do with this? The big pop culture event that came from that was the movie White Zombie. White Zombie is known to be the first zombie movie and the white zombie is actually so bella lugosi's in this which is fascinating and they are on the island of haiti and there's a beautiful white woman and the one guy who like makes the zombies to do his work he sees this woman and wants her to be his wife. He wants her to do his bidding. So he makes her the zombie. And because she's white, she's the white zombie. The weird thing about this is there is no attention brought to the black. Well, I don't even think they're black in this there. But anyway, the point is that the people who are actually turned into zombies, not the white zombie, they don't get any attention. They don't get any um, empathy or anything. It's the white woman that we're concerned about in this movie. So that comes out, and so it is still this idea of the Haitian zombie. We have another movie in 1943. I walked with a zombie. And so you'll start to see that everything up until 1968, when George Romero's film come out, comes out, these are Haitian zombies. These are the ones that through voodoo magic that turned people into zombies and that is why George did not call them zombies, because that was a totally different zombie than the zombie we have now. They weren't walking dead. I mean, honestly, they were brainwashed into being dead. They're not really dead, these zombies. And pretty much after Night of the Living Dead, zombies were always Romero-type zombies, or as we talk about in the future, pandemic or hive zombies but there was a moment in the 80s where a man claimed he went to Haiti and learned the secrets of how they made people into zombies he wrote a book and that became the movie The Serpent and the Rainbow but other than that those type of zombies kind of died out and the new zombies took over so that would be part 1 of the Zombies. Part two is Romero Zombies. We already talked enough about Night of the Living Dead, but Romero's movie had a follow up, Dawn of the Dead. And Dawn of the Dead is the first time he uses the word zombie. We have Day of the Dead after that. We have Land of the Dead. You got uh, Diary of the Dead. There's like all of the dead Romero movies. So the Romero Zombie is a slow moving, flesh eating, Zombie that could be created many different ways. In Night of the Living Dead, there's some reference to a Venus probe returning to Earth, and something must have happened that caused these recently deceased zombies to come back to life. That's important. They weren't coming out of the grave, they would be coming from morgues, or maybe if they just fell down dead on the ground, anybody killed by a zombie turns into a zombie. That's a Romero zombie. I prefer those type of zombies, the slow-moving ones, but almost all zombie movies can point to Romero as being that type of zombie. Walking Dead. The Walking Dead is all Romero-type zombies, and that's Greg Nicotero, who is a huge... Greg Nicotero worked on like Day of the Dead, so he's actually one of the... um, I think he acts in it, too. He's one of the Army guys or something. But Greg Nicotero is the super guru special effects guy. He's been around for a long time. And he's a huge part director, producer of The Walking Dead. Now, Lucille, earlier you were going brains, brains, and a lot of people do that, but that wasn't until like 1985 with Return of the Living Dead. And that is where the brains part became part of zombie pop culture. So I hope that helps. Good to know. Zombies, they're an international thing. If we look at 2007, there was the movie Wreck. That was Spanish. In the UK, we have Shaun of the Dead and 28 Days Later. In France, we have Paris by Night of the Living Dead and Le Horde. New Zealand has Dead Alive by Peter Jackson. Japan, and I'm not making this up. In 2010, a movie came out in Japan called Big tits zombie i think it is actually on youtube but i'm watching it i mean that's such a great title in the united states in 2008 there was zombie strippers italy has Della morte de la More. so you can see that everyone loves zombies everyone and i really am excited about doing this show but i feel like i'll never ever be able to cover this And I thought about doing this two parts, but I'm like, yeah, that's not going to happen. From 68 through the 80s, early 90s, let's call that the Romero zombie period. Well, next would be, we'll call them 21st century zombies, maybe modern zombies, whatever you want. But I would say that this took off because of a video game. In 1996, Resident Evil comes out. And we have this new love of zombies. And they come out in these survival horror games. They just become super popular. And, you know, there was a real terrorist attack in Japan. And that sort of influenced a lot of these horror video games. House of the Dead. It's interesting. I want to pause for a moment because real life things cause a lot of horror. And I mean, as far as film, the dropping of the bomb on Hiroshima, without that, we wouldn't have had Godzilla. Even 9 11, I think, if you look at that, the movie Cloverfield is definitely an answer to the terrorist attacks in 9 11. And here we have the terrorist attacks in Japan that were biological, that caused a lot of these games to come out, that caused zombie type events, because of chemists or genetics, uh, unethical science. These are the newer themes that are coming up. They're bioweapons as a threat, chemical weapons. All of this stuff is coming up and more art is created based on these fears. So we can call them the pandemic zombies. This would be In 2003, we had SARS. We had H1N1 in 2009. And of course, we're going to see more of these films come out because of COVID. Pandemic zombies uh, or scientific. It's this sort of fear that we can't trust the scientists anymore. Uh, They are going to, without any kind of ethical thinking, they will just create whatever it is that will destroy us all. Resident Evil, of course, it's the T-virus. And 28 Days Later, it's the Rage Virus. And those came out the same year. The movies, I mean. And then we start getting into horror comedy. So Shaun of the Dead, an amazing film. Definitely a Romero zombie inspiration. And so we see the funny zombie movies. We got Zombie Land, Warm Bodies. Max Brooks comes out with the zombie survival guide. We get World War Z. Some of these zombies, though are fast-running zombies. And I think when the remake of Dawn of the Dead came out and they were fast zombies, I was disappointed. I really find it hard. Now, it makes sense in 28 Days Later, and people were like, well, what are you, why are you not upset with 28 Days Later? Because that's a rage virus. It's not necessarily a zombie-type thing. And we can, you know, nitpick about what makes a zombie and what isn't a zombie. But even the HBO Last of Us, which is based off a video game, again, that is a zombie movie. Even though they're people, they're not zombies. I don't care. It's the same type of thing where something that was once alive is now either dead or reanimated. That's a zombie in my opinion. We have a new fear that humanity is going to destroy itself or nature's response to humanity is going to destroy us. And we can call these hive zombies. And we see that definitely in The Last of Us where these sort of, fungus can talk to each other or world war z they're not they're like a swarm there are zombies it's not even about the zombie at this point it's about the horde these hive zombies they just come after you in thousands i mean if you look at world war z that stuff they're like thousands of them just swarming at you there's no way you know you're gonna outrun that if you are not in the School of Dark Arts free Facebook group, I definitely would tell you to check out the show notes. And from there, what you can do is tell me what your favorite pop culture zombie thing is. Is it a book? Is it a comic book? Is it a movie? Is it a TV show? Let me know in the School of Dark Arts Facebook group. I would love to hear your favorite. Now, I mentioned a lot of zombie movies, books, all that stuff. There is one that has a special place in my heart. It's called Afterlife with Archie. It's a comic series. Afterlife with Archie. So the story is we're just in the regular Archie. Is it Riverdale, right? And Jughead's dog gets hit by a car and dies. Jughead is so upset that he takes the dog to Sabrina, and Sabrina does some magic to bring the dog back to life. The dog then bites. I think Jughead is the first one to get bit. And then he turns to a zombie, and then it's basically a zombie apocalypse in Riverdale. I love the artwork, and I think it's the best thing i've read in the comics in such a long time it is so much fun and what's fascinating to me is that came out before the chilling adventures of sabrina which ended up becoming a very good netflix show and i'm like why don't they do afterlife with archie as a netflix show i am hoping they do because i love it so much i think it would be so much fun all right let's move on i have questions okay lucille give me some questions
1: How do you kill a zombie?
0: Okay, you want to kill a zombie. It's pretty clear what you need to do. You need to decapitate it. You need to shoot it in the head and basically kill the brain. That's the main thing. Kill the brain, kill the zombie.
1: Can animals become zombies?
0: There's no official word on whether animals can become zombies. But as I just said, yes, if you look at the afterlife with Archie, that dog was the first zombie. You can... Look at Pet Cemetery and the cat church is technically like a zombie. So I would say the answer is yes, pets can, depending on whoever's writing it, if that's in their, their world, in their story.
1: What's the best place to hide during a zombie apocalypse?
0: So there's no one size fits all answer as the best place to hide during a hypothetical zombie apocalypse. It depends on factors like location, resources, and the specific type of zombie in the scenario, but generally you wanna be in a well-fortified area with access to food, water, medical supplies. I like to think a remote island would be cool, but as we saw in, I believe it's Land of the Dead, that zombies can basically walk through water. Like we always think that we're surrounded by water, we're okay, but zombies don't need to breathe really, so they could just walk in the water or float across to you. So I don't know. Uh, I think it would be... I'd feel safer on an island or in, like, a well-fortified prison or something. Um, I don't know about being on a remote mountaintop. You just got to have an escape route.
1: Are zombies real?
0: Are zombies real? Technically, no. I think the scary part in The Last of Us is talking about climate change and how the fungus could evolve to infect humans so there is an actual zombie ant it's a fungus that infects the ants kills the ants but they use the ants body and control it to move to a location that it can thrive in so the zombies i mean the ants are technically dead this is a real thing those ants are killed by the fungus and the fungus is now the brain of this dead body and it moves it to where it needs to be if that fungus was somehow to evolve to be able to infect humans i think that is one way a real zombie scenario could happen
1: what causes a zombie apocalypse
0: causes of a zombie apocalypse kind of talked about this but i'll bring it back around Usually they're caused by viruses, infections, chemical experiments gone wrong, supernatural occurrences. And as I said in Night of the Living Dead, it was some kind of probe that had maybe some radiation that was being leaked when it came back to Earth.
1: Is there any government response in place if a zombie outbreak happens?
0: There is a government response to the zombie apocalypse. I think it was the CDC that put this out. You can Google it and they have this. And they were sort of tongue in cheek, joking about it, because the point they were trying to make is if you can look at this and survive a zombie apocalypse and use these techniques, this stuff can be used to survive an earthquake or tsunami or hurricane. Anytime you're like without food, water, like these are the things you need to prepare for the worst case scenario. And they did it in sort of this fun, everybody's gonna read this because it's about zombies and people did, they all went read it. And if you haven't, definitely go check it out.
1: Do zombies eat animals?
0: Zombies can eat animals. They probably wouldn't prefer it, but I guess in a dire situation where they need to, they can eat animals. We've seen this also, I think, in Walking Dead. Maybe they were eating a horse. I believe that. I could be thinking of that wrong if I am. Please let me know.
1: What are some survival strategies for a zombie apocalypse?
0: Yeah, you want some survival strategies? All right. They might include finding a secure shelter, forming alliances with other survivors, Learning self-defense, stockpiling essential supplies, and adapting to changing circumstances. Some of these you can already do. You can already prepare. Like, you can um, learn self-defense. You can go out and find essential supplies. It's not a bad idea to have that in case of a real emergency. And then you can read up on maybe how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie so you can learn how to form alliances when the shit hits the fan. And now it's time for Buffy Did That.
1: Hello, I'm Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And yes, Dr. J is correct. I did do this.
0: All right. Buffy did this actually quite a few times with the dead returning. But I'm talking about one specific show episode. It's called Dead Man's Party. And it was the second episode of season three. And basically, it's the second episode. So Buffy returns from every summer Buffy goes and lives with her dad. And so when she comes back to Sunnydale, it's all like, Hey, what did you do over the summer? And she's having trouble fitting in with everybody. And that really isn't important. What's important is that there is a mask, much like the Jim Carrey movie mask. It's like this mask that uh, wakes the dead. And so uh, there's a cat that gets killed in this episode. And then the mask brings it back to life. And then the mask starts bringing all these dead back to life. And there's like a frat party type thing going on and all the monsters crash it. So all these zombies crash this frat party and one of Buffy's mom's friends becomes a zombie. She puts on the mask and it really becomes, she's super powerful. She can control all the zombies, but Buffy kicks the crap out of that woman, kills that woman. And when she dies, Buffy basically takes a shovel and I think smashes it through the mask and kills the woman zombie. And then all the other zombies die with it. So that is the dead man's party season three, episode two. It's a very good episode. Check it out. But if you don't really watch Buffy, you might want to start from season one. because it there'll be like, well, why is this happening? If you don't follow it, you, you, if you have watched it, go revisit a dead man's party. If not, you need to, uh, Start from season one so you can understand everything I'm talking about. All right. It is time for the magic number. And the magic number is 32.
1: Oh, my God. I got it right.
0: Oh, wow, that's amazing. Good, good, good. I'm so happy for you, Lucille. That means you'll have an extra special magical day. If you got it right, please find me on Instagram at James underscore at or go to the School of Dark Arts free Facebook group. Tell me you got it there. And everything I talked about, any way you want to support us, it's in the show notes. I really hope and encourage you to help keep this show alive or help keep the show undead.
1: Very funny, Dr. J.
0: But seriously, I really appreciate every one of you who listens. And if you want to see myself and Lucille between the shows, you can. Find me on TikTok at James Ippolitti, Instagram at James underscore Ippolitti, and there's even a YouTube link you can uh, do. And I bring this up because we do little funny things, and for the next two weeks, we're going to talk about zombies and zombie pop culture stuff on these reels. All these shorts will be me and Lucille having fun with zombies. And I hope you follow us that way, because... It's like an extension of the show where we keep going on about whatever the topic is this week. The next two weeks, we're going to be having fun with zombies. And just another incentive to to join the School of Dark Arts Facebook group. Years ago, I did a Doritos commercial for a contest for the Super Bowl, and it was Night of the Living Dead inspired. So I'm going to put it on there so you can check it out. And we will be back in two weeks with a new episode. Peace. Bye-bye. Be sure to follow me on TikTok at James Ippolitti. I'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. The Real Demons of Pop Culture is a Gorilladelfia production.